We're in a new series. We started last week called Love, Relationships, and Singleness. Come on, somebody. Tonight, we are getting into the heart of singleness. And uh, man, I'm, I know that a young adult community like us and, and several other communities that are around the church culture, that prim- primarily they are made up of people in a single season. Now, I know there are some of y'all dating. I know there's some of y'all engaged and married that represent the age demographic of 18 to 29, which happens to be our age demographic where, of our young adult community. But, but by and large, we know that the majority of the people here are in a single season. So we're going to hit it tonight. And uh, I will mention that next week, uh, we're going to be uh, talking about breakups and rejection. And um, I, I got a word in my heart for next week. My wife, hopefully, we're, we're trying to finalize our, our child care for our kids. But my wife will be joining me uh, for the message portion. And I can't wait to share a little bit of our story of going through uh, breakups and re- break, breakups, because there's an S there, and rejection, uh, zin, rejection, rejections, multiple for me over the course of our time. Um, but... We're going to get into that next week. Today, we're getting into singleness. And, uh, and in honor of tomorrow being Single Awareness Day, for many, <laughs> we're going to get into it tonight. You know, mo- most of culture, most of culture both in the church and out of the church looks at singleness through a negative lens. Everybody's trying to get out of it. Everybody's trying to jump out of that season um, and, and a lot of, most of the, I wouldn't say all, but most of the people that are in that season uh, look at it through a, a negative lens. It's not something that they're looking at positively. So I want to take the first part of this, this message before we invite our people up at the end um, to talk about it together. The first part I want to talk about is, is really the positive lens that I believe the scriptures call us to look through about it. And I believe God has for us to, to, to be challenged in tonight. But we need to know this is, this is a truth, that, that singleness truly is not a second-rate life or a second-rate Christianity. Being single, walking in a season of singleness, or even a life of singleness is not a second-rate life. It's not a, it's not a, a, a second level of, or, or second best. It, it can be, and I know, I know biblically we have examples for it, that it can, it can be God's best for you, whether it's a season or it's a, it's a life that he's called you to. And we'll read a little bit about that in a moment. So I'm going to talk about a couple models that we have through the scriptures. And, and a lot of you may be familiar with the church world, will know them, but I want to bring us back to it because a lot of us just glance over and we go, yeah, 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 but that's just them. And that was, I'm not of them. Um, and I don't have the ability to connect with them because they're two pretty um, incredible people. One of them, the biggest one, the most important one, that models singleness in, in the life that I'm talking about is, is our Savior, is our Lord, Jesus Christ. He lived for 33 years on this earth and, and walked a life as a single man all the way until his death, and then he resurrected and then ascended into heaven. But what, what Jesus' life models for us, and this should be something that we really do take to heart, because if you would say you would subscribe to the faith of Christianity, that the Bible is your foundation, and that Jesus is your Lord, what we are saying in, in, in essence is that we say, we're building our life on that, on that man, on that God man. Uh, and that we have submitted to him as Lord, and we're trying to look more like him. And he, he modeled for us a life that was, that was a single life all the way through till he was uh, no longer here on planet Earth with us. Uh, he says this in Matthew 19, verse 10 through 12, speaking about singleness. He says, um, I'll, I'll give you some context. He's talking about, they're asking about marriage, if it's better for a man to marry or to remarry. And he says, uh, he talks to them about 
about that idea. He says, if such is the case of a man with his wife, um, speaking about some things that had happened with adultery, but he says, it's better for him not to marry. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this, saying, but only those to whom it is given. He goes on a little bit more, uh, a little later and says, let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. What is he talking about? He's talking about the, the, the calling to singleness, that there is a calling that, there, that some do, to, do receive and walk in a calling to singleness. And, and, and Jesus' words are saying some, are, some receive that calling and, and it's not second best for their life. It's not like, up oh, sucks for you. You're going to be miserable now. Everybody else is going to be happy, married, and enjoying everything that they want in a relationship. you got to kind of suffer through it. No, he's saying some actually receive that as a call and walk in it and are still fully fulfilled. Jesus models it, speaks to it, and it's something important for us to see. Paul, the apostle, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament uh, in, in, in the Bible that we have that we believe in is to be truth, speaks to singleness. Uh, he was single as well. From what we know, he died a single man, and we did not get married. And he speaks to he speaks to singleness in several places. If you want to read more about some of those, First Corinthians seven is a great chapter to kind of unpack that. He speaks to marriage and sex and all of it in there. But there's the here's the scripture I want to read specifically from Paul, and how he challenges us to look through a positive lens about singleness. He says this in First Corinthians seven thirty two. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord. He's concerned with, with the things of the Lord uh, and how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to be holy in body and in spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. He really is calling us to consider the reality that there is a division that will happen with all of our attention and our focus and our pursuits uh, in relationship and pursuing relationship in marriage and being single. And that there's some, there's, some, there's some benefits to person called of God, to the mission of God, to be able to be potentially walking in a different degree of effectiveness because of their ability to focus differently when they're single versus when they're married. It's really important that we see this and we consider it because the, most of our culture is like, it's not even a thought. It's not even an option. Like, single is miserable. And until you're not single and you're in a relationship, like, you are missing half of the life that you could have. That's false. Marriage, I'm going to say it again. I said this last week. Marriage is not the goal. It is not the epitome of what a successful life looks like. I jokingly said this last week, but I want to say this again. When you get to heaven, the Lord is not going to look at you and say, well done, good and faithful, married servant. Good and faithful, you got in a relationship and you made it through, well done, servant. Now he's going to just say, well done, good and faithful, servant. And there's not a condition of relationship attached to that. There's a blessing that can come with singleness. And this is something that I want to challenge our community to consider. When it comes to the season of singleness in here, so maybe you're like, man, okay, I'm hearing you. I'm still not necessarily feeling like that call. It's a lifetime singleness, okay? Let me, let me say one more thing. I don't, have, I don't have the time tonight to dive into, nor the education or experience yet. It's something I'm beginning to just to, to dig into more because I want to learn and I want to grow. But, but we're also living in a world where, the, where the, 
where the desires and the living out of homosexuality desires are, are more and more prevalent and coming in a different kind of way. And there's a whole conversation, lots of conversations that we can have, and I want our community to, to begin to embrace more and more and more. But one of the things that's important for you as well, that I know in this room alone that there are people that represent um, uh, potentially that wrestling, right? And if you don't personally, you know somebody who does. Potentially even someone who is like trying to figure out their relationship with Jesus, but then also wrestling with um, homosexual desires or the desires for the same sex. Here's something that you need to consider as well, that I, I really believe that, that in that way there can be um, someone that can still wrestle with that stuff, but walk in the calling of singleness and still walk in the fullness of who God has called them to be and not be walking in sin or against the will of God. So that's a whole other conversation to unpack, but I wanted to mention it because we don't really touch that stuff when we get in love and relationship stuff because it's, there's a lot of assumed and presumed things about the, the wholeness of our, of our crew here, but I know the size of our group that that's something that is represented in this room. Singleness can be an option, and it can still be a very blessed option. For the singles in here, if you're not called maybe to the life of singleness, you might be in a season of singleness Here's what I want to challenge you with. Maximize your singleness for God. Maximize your singleness for God. You can do more in this season for the Lord than you might be able to do in a season that you are involved in the pursuit of a relationship and eventually a marriage. I can attest to it, right? I'm, in, I'm married. I've been married for seven and a half years, and I have three kids, and it has progressively got busier and fuller and more exhausting in different ways. And it is fulfilling, and it is exactly where God has called me to be, and I love it, and I wouldn't change it for the world. But the reality is my time is divided. It is, it is spent pouring into my wife and my kids more than anything else. And if I did not have that as the thing I was pouring into, there would be more physical, practical time for me to be pouring into people in a different way, preaching the gospel, reaching them, maybe discipling them in a, in a way that I would not have with the time that I spent with my family. Now, for me, I feel like that's, that's what I have been called to, and I have chosen that path, and I'm glad that I have, but it's something to consider for you in the season you're in. You have more time to develop and deepen friendships. You can be more available to walk with people who are carrying heavy loads and walking through difficult things. So, so remember, when you consider this season of singleness, to, to, before you just think about the negative lens of it, that Jesus and Paul and so many others that have gone after them, that are maybe even in your life now, have displayed that walking in singleness can produce a full life that brings glory to the Father and is a blessing to people. Last thing I'll say, this sums up in this. A single life can still be a full and a blessed life. A single life can still be a full and a blessed life. So then that's, that's the lens to challenge you to begin to look through it. Let's pivot. All right? Because there's going to be a, peop- a group of people in here that that might be that. You're like, you know what? That is something I'm, pre- I'm considering. God might be calling me to that. But for a lot of us in here, that's not the case. But you're still in a se- season of singleness. So let's talk about some things for us, for you. I'm not there, but I was. I want to talk about a few things to those that are in a single season but longing for a romantic relationship, a partnership that is on the trajectory towards marriage. I'm going to just talk through a couple sub, uh, subheaders because I want to just give you general things uh, that we can wrestle with and then invite my friends up to have a little bit of a conversation. First thing I want to talk about to singles that are in a season of singleness is this idea of options. Options. 
I, I mentioned this a little bit last week as well. And if you missed it, the, the podcast for last week's sermon will be up uh, sometime this weekend. But, but I talked about this idea. Because of the technology the advancements that we've seen over the last 15 to 20 years, our ability to have exposure to the options available to us has exponentially increased. Where before, like 100 years ago, it was like, yo, you had your town of 150 people and your options were limited. And you, you, that was it. You didn't like go like, well, there's a, there's a whole other town 250 miles away that could be where my wife or my husband's at. That wasn't a, that wasn't a thing. You had a, you had to jump on your horse and ride a long way to figure that out or not. No, like you had, this was, this was a limited capacity and context option. But, but over time in, in, in technology advancements, obviously throughout the years, all of a sudden you have options in front of your face 24-7 across the globe in seconds. And there's, this, there's this, this false reality that has begun to, to, I really believe, warp our minds and hearts and ideas of what a relationship is supposed to be and look like. Because, because no longer are we, are we really having to press into the context and the place that God has, has placed us for this time relationally. Because we have the grass is greener syndrome going on all day long in our brains and our eyes as it's being filled with people that we're not even in the same context with because the options are unlimited. Now... I'm not hating on some of the websites that are out there because there's all, I mean, all these different things that I've heard, incredible stories of how God has used things like that to help people come together, and it's beautiful. So I'm not hating on that. But what I am saying is don't buy the lie that your grass is greener syndrome option is out there, and it may not be here in the context of the place that God has you. Here's the line I want you to, to, to consider that I want to challenge you with. Look at who God has put right in front of you. You're single and you're longing to be in a relationship and be married one day. Here's what my, my challenge would be. You're maybe you're serving, you're serving in some ministry. Man, some, some of you are serving in kids' ministries and you're at your church at different places and you're like, oh, who is she? Who is he? Just consider for a moment. Maybe it's the, it's the, it's the person that is, rather than, you know, somewhere in a different state or a different blah, 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 maybe it's the person that you've been serving alongside for the last two years in kids ministry and watching their character develop and their heart for kids and, and their integrity and their commitment be formed. And maybe they're right next to you and you don't realize it because your eyes are looking at everywhere else but where you are. Maybe you need to take a moment and look who God has put right in front of you. Why does, what, what prevents that? Let me, let's, let's break down physical attraction for a moment. Because here's the problem. I hear, I hear most of the time, especially with, with the conversations that I have. Um, I don't have a ton of conversations with, with women about this. So that means you have to forgive me. Most of my conversations are with fellas. And I'm a fella who, who walked through a similar, a similar issue. But here's the, here's the thing I'm watching happening a lot, a lot of people. I'm not, as, I don't, I'm not physically attracted enough. I Maybe, but like they don't, I just don't do it for me. If they, if they had a little bit of a different level of this, I might consider it, but they're just, they're, they're too tall, they're too short, they're too whatever. They're, I'm not attracted to them physically. Now listen, I want to be clear when I say this. Attraction is important. Physical attraction is important. It's an inevitable part, inevitable and a beautiful gift. I really believe that when Adam saw Eve after looking at a bunch of animals for the past couple days, <laughs> he was like, hot diggity dog. Woman, woman. So I'm not saying physical attraction isn't important. It is. Hear me. Physical attraction is important. It's just not as important as you think. 
being on the other side of marriage for seven and a half years, and I know some of y'all in here that are married, been married much longer than me or around the same time or a little bit less, you get this more than ever, that when we're dating and we're in that pursuit, we're looking and we're trying to figure it out, man, it seems like it's everything. Man, it's, it's like I, I'm telling you, on the other side of marriage, it's, there's so much more that is of a value than just the physical attraction on the outside. Let me give you an example. My wife and I were having a conversation one day uh, a couple years ago. We had been married for like two or three years. And somehow the, uh, the concept of, um, no, I'll tell that story right after this story. Super Bowl, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. My wife is, doesn't care about football uh, at all, but she's a, she tolerates it because I love it. So we were watching the Super Bowl, and they were doing all the intros of the players before the game is going on. She's in the kitchen kind of hanging out with my mom. They're getting some food, and I'm just kind of up by the couch area. And uh, I'm watching what's happening. They're doing the intros of the 49ers, and I hear my wife go, who's that? Any, anybody know who you, who you might think she, she's? Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G. For those that don't know, he's a quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. He's an incredibly attractive man. Okay? So I turn around, and I instantly know my wife does not care about the game or football. She doesn't ask questions about the game. This is the first moment she's asking a question. Who's, who's that? I said, that's Jimmy G. The most attractive man in the NFL. Yes, I know you just noticed it. Well done, babe. Way to go. I'm not insecure about that. It was fantastic. It's impossible not to notice those, those things. We had the conversation a couple years ago where I, I was having this conversation, and somehow the, the issue of Zac Efron came up. Okay? Some of you ladies, that's a throwback. That's a throwback. You're all like dreaming. You wish you were in High School Musical back in the day. And we made the comment. And I made the comment. I was talking about Carrie Underwood, and we were talking about Zac Efron. Here's what happened. I said, uh, listen, we were talking about attraction levels. I said, Holly, um, you are a nine. Uh, on the physical attraction scale. You are, you are literally one of the most physically beautiful human beings I've ever seen. Um, Carrie Underwood. Ready? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, you're gonna hate me for like a 30-second window, then you'll realize why I'm saying what I'm saying. <laughs> Carrie Underwood is a 10. Here's why I know I can say that and be true without having to be like, oh, babe, no, really, you are. But here, why? Because if, if I sat down on a couch... And Zac Efron came down and sat right next to me. And someone asked my wife, Who, are they both 10s? Or is one a 10 and one a 9? My wife would not be an integrous person and have any character at all. If she said that we were both 10s or that if I was a 10 and Zac Efron was a 9, she would be a liar. It would, be, it would not be true from the physical attraction scale. So I said, but the point would be you, would not, you still would not pick Zac Efron over me. There'd be something that you saw in me that was more attractive to you than Zac Efron and the physical appearance. The point being that you could, still, you could have the tent. It still won't matter like you think it will. There's more to it. So, so, so do not let the physical attraction level that you feel or do not feel be the dictator to the potential of a pursuit with somebody. Because there's so much more to it than the physical attraction level. I'm telling you. It's important. Not as important as you think. Be picky, but for the right reasons. What are you looking for? I'm going to give you quick, two, two quick things here. Uh, uh, fall in love with the qualities, not the person. 
Like, don't, don't, just, don't just dive into this person does that. I mean, if you're going to fall for something, fall for or like and get obsessed with the qualities that are in them, not just the person as you begin these pursuits. Because you're still learning and growing who you are. You're still learning and growing who they are. You see something you love. It's not just, he's amazing. He's so, he's so blah, blah. She's so whatever. No, like, before you just fall in love with the person, fall in love with the qualities. I, I love the way that, that he cares about people. What do you, what do you, what do you really see in there? You're seeing somebody who's walking in a selflessness. Fall in love with that character, that quality of selflessness, not just the person that's attached to it. So that way, if something does not work out, you have something that you really are attaching yourself to that's beyond just the person when you're in this dating pursuit season. Look for patterns. This is something I heard Stephen Furtick said, and I just, I just sunk into it because it's so good. Look for patterns over potential. Everybody's like, he's got so much potential. So much potential. Look, I mean, he's got all. Look for the patterns in his life or the potential in her life. Sorry, the patterns in her life more than the potential of what they could be. or, or Because the patterns will dictate the potential. Habits, patterns. So options, category one. Category two, timing. Timing. When it comes to a single season, this is a huge issue, and I, it's one that I see blown through a lot, and I really want to challenge you with this thought. No matter what stage or season that you're in, it feels like when I, when I remember being in this season, and I, I know a lot of us in here, whatever season we're in, we, we feel like we're longing to be in the next one. Why is that? It, it means, it's, 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 it's part of probably that fallen sense of humanity, but like, humanity, but like I'm in this season, and it's like for whatever reason, this season is not satisfying enough. I want to be in the next one in every season. Why? Something about timing when it comes to singleness and pursuit is huge. God's timing is the best timing. A lot of us are trying to force our timing with things and with people. When, when God is outside of time and he knows and can see what things are going to play out to be the better way than you can understand. So some of you just need to take heart, first of all, because something has not happened in the timing that you wanted it to. Some of you need to chill down a little bit because you're, you're on, on, on trying to make something happen and you need to peel it back. God's timing is the best timing. He talks about that in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, to the principle of his ways and his thoughts being higher than ours. I've said this before, but and you probably have heard it, but it can't be understated, that the right thing plus the wrong time equals the wrong thing. You can have the perfect man. Hello, Zach Efron. <laughs> Walking down downtown Olympia right into Amber Goods probably getting his uh, MCT oil and, and his little butter coffee thing, whatever, what's that one called? Bullet, a bullet coffee. I just imagined him getting a bullet coffee for some reason. And, and, and it, you could have the perfect person, guy, girl that you think, but if it's not God's timing, it will be the wrong thing. And there are a lot of people that are trying to make the, the right person happen in the wrong time, and they're, they're going to walk into a, a collision of brokenness, brokenheartedness, frustration, God's timing is the best timing. A couple more thoughts here with, with timing. And then I have one last thing with, with the category and then I'm going to invite my friends up. Your waiting, the season of waiting you're in right now, your waiting can be wasted or invested. I can't understate it enough. I can't, or I can't overstate it enough. It's, just, it's, it's, such a, it's such a difficult thing to do in the moment. But when you're out of it, you'll, you'll look back and go, there was a lot of wasted a lot of wasted uh, time, but, but you're, you're, or you're a lot of waiting, but your waiting can be wasted or invested. And you aren't missing out on what you think you're missing out on. 
I'm telling you, I think sometimes we have this FOMO on the relationships thing and we're like, I'm missing it. I'm just wasting the season of my singleness and my prime years. No, you're not. You're not. I promise you, you're not. You want God's timing. Your waiting can be wasted or invested. What are you doing with your waiting? You'll never go wrong with waiting on God's timing and trusting his timing. Uh, my my four-year-old son, Weston, the other day <laughs> uh, asked to watch uh, asked to watch TV. No, we were going somewhere. We were going somewhere, and I was on the phone, and I was on a really important conversation with my brother, who is a single, by the way, and he's 27, and as a stud, and I'm, if you, if you want to know more about him, I'll give you his Instagram handle. You can follow. He's a good dude. I, I want to I get him with a really great woman of God, so just letting you know. Okay, um, it could be God's timing. I feel, I feel like it could be God's timing. Come find me. Great guy. At Landon Merrill on Instagram, at Landon Merrill. Great dude, great dude. He's funny, he's, he's, a, he's attractive, he's, one of my, he's my brother, he works for Will Smith, he's a stud, you, I promise you, he's, he's worth, uh, worth the time. I was on the phone with him, and we were talking about his season of, of singleness and wrestling through something, no joke. And Weston, my son, was like, Dad, I want to go, because we were about to go somewhere. I'm like, listen, we are going to go, I promise you we're going to go. Give me five minutes, five minutes. And he's like, Dad, no, I want to go now. I, was like, I kept saying five minutes. Finally, Weston said, Dad, five minutes is so long. And I, I was not even thinking, I was like, listen, Wes, dude, you don't even have a concept of time. <laughs> you, don't, you don't even know what five minutes is. You don't, you know, and my brother started laughing, and I had this moment. Like, that's how the father feels sometimes about. God, this season of singleness is so long. Why are you making me wait so long? And God's going, you don't even have the concept of time like I do. I'm outside of it, and I see for your life better than you can see. Last thing is pursuit. And then, you know what? As, as I start, will you, will you my, my guys that are going to come up and that are going to join me, will you go ahead and, and grab, grab the chair? Macaulay, will you help me with the chairs? Thanks. <laughs> The, the guys and gals, sorry, the guys and gals that are going to come up because I'm going to have them join me. And uh, we'll, we'll take about 10, 10 more minutes tonight than normal so we can talk through it. But um, they'll jump up while I'm going through this last one. This one is like for, this one's like the, 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 the meat one that I want to challenge our culture with because I think it's, <clears throat> it's something that uh, I, want us to get, I want us to get on the table. This is area of pursuit. Pursuit, okay? We talked about last week, we talked about being a culture that pursues in the light rather than pursues in the dark. I'll come up here. Pursuit. Listen, I, I want to challenge some people in here. This is for guys and girls, but let me, again, I mentioned this last week. I'm still on a journey with figuring out how to uh, walk in some of the healthier balances when it comes to, like, challenging men and challenging women in the area of pursuing each other. Um, I still, in my world, I'm, I still lean to the side of, of wanting to challenge guys to step up in some of those areas of being, of being in pursuit and, and, and so I, at the risk of offending some women in here, again, I said it last week, and you can hear my heart more in that moment of, of saying, when I challenge guys in this moment, it is no, by no means saying anything about your inability to pursue or your inability to lead. It's about calling some men up, because I think they need to be called up and called out more than you do in this area. So here's what I want to say. Uh, it's time for some guys in here to get more confident and secure about their pursuit of a young woman. And here's what I mean. Some of this comes from this, the, the idea that there's this, there's this insecurity of like, what if she says no? 
what if there's an element of rejection? We're going to dive into more of that next week. But there's this kind of like, I don't want to, I want to do everything I can to know for sure until I pursue and make something clear. Because, because if, I know, if I can know for sure, then I, I have my, my risk of rejection goes down. And so I will like, I'll kind of float around some things and kind of feel some things out for a long time until I get like that real strong signal of like, yeah, I like you. I'm not going to reject you. Then I'll make a step of like, okay, then do you want to go to dinner? Oh, then do you want to, you want to hang out sometime, get some coffee? Do you want to come into this thing? I want to challenge you. Sometimes, sometimes uh, some of these young women are waiting for you to just step into a, bold, a boldness and, and make a, a, a decision to say, you know what? I'm going to have a conversation. I'm going to come up and have a moment and potentially risk rejection. And here's what I want to challenge you guys with. Your acceptance and affirmation and approval and identity and security does not come from a girl's acceptance or rejection of you. So, 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 so step into your identity in Christ in a new way to know that, like, listen, i got to man up in a different kind of way. I'm going to risk this potential rejection by being more bold and clear with this pursuit so she's not left hanging and wondering around what's going on. Be confident and secure with that degree of pursuit, be clear with your intentions. Be confident and be clear. A lot of times there's, there's, there's a culture of like um, waffling and I don't know. And I just, I want to see our culture grow. Like risk it. It's a risk. It is a risk. It is. And ladies, I'm, I'm, listen, this might end up happening. I've already I know that there's already some of this happening, and I love it. You might, at the end of this service might happen, and you might experience some, some guy, you know, dig, coming up or, or ha- wanting to be, all right, I got the word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be challenged in a new way and step out. And then now you, listen, you're going to be met with potentially some, some moments that you got to make a decision on how you're going to respond. But listen, I, my, my ask is this. If, if, a, if a gentleman has, if a young man, if a young guy has stepped up to the confidence level of having that moment of conversation with you, be kind, be respectful, but also be confident and clear. Don't like ghost out and like, I don't know, I don't want to deal with making him feel bad, so I'm going to like not say anything or I'm not going to respond. I'm like, no, like you also need to step into confidence and clarity. So as I'm challenged the culture of our guys to be more clear with their intentions uh, and to be more bold and confident in, in the ask or in the pursuit of that, that let's, would you be willing to have a cup of coffee? Which although, like I mentioned it last week, does not mean always that you're, you're going to be married at the next time you go to Chick-fil-A. I'm saying it's not necessarily, <clears throat> but, 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 but women in here, let's create a world where, where, where when that happens, there's, a, there's also a response of, of confidence and clarity. And guys, be ready for whatever outcome. But man, we can create a culture that's so much healthier than what we're seeing. Be clear. I love this, this quote from Jefferson Bethke when it comes to the intentions of dating. Um, he says this. Dating. Let me pause. Also, I'll be real. I'm, I'm not into the, I'm not into the uh, dating for the sake of dating thing. So if that's if that's what you're into, this won't be a this won't be a place um, that you will feel comfortable because I, I'm gonna challenge our, our people in here that like dating isn't a game. Like it's it's not like a oh let's fill some time and like feel good with myself and you know have some fun because I just am lonely. It's that's not the goal of dating. It's not the point, and it leaves a lot of destruction in the path when people operate like that. I'm not saying it's all gotta be like 
like, are we going to get married or not right out of the gate? But I am saying if that's, that pursuit's happening, there's an intention of your heart that's going towards a direction, not just that, like, I want to have a girlfriend. I want to have a boyfriend. I don't want to be lonely. I want to be physical. I want to, I want to have, just, that's not it. Here's what Jefferson Bethke says this. He says, dating with no intent to marry is like going to the grocery store with no money. You either leave unhappy or you take something that isn't yours. And we live in a culture with all kinds of concepts of dating and pursuit. And I believe a single person, <clears throat> single person should treat others the same way that they would like to be treated or someone else to treat their sister or brother. This is really, it's an extension of the golden rule that Jesus proclaimed in Luke 6.31. Because nobody wants to be used, period. We all want to be treated with respect and valued for who we are, not for what we can do for someone. So this is a great principle to follow even in every other relationship of your life. But when it comes to dating, clarity, confidence. Clarity, confidence on both sides. Confidence, clarity. Confidence, clarity. Be bold. Last thing, and I'm going to ask these guys some questions. We're going to take 10 minutes, and we're going to walk through some questions because this is your real life in the community Young adult singles who are going to share some things. Um, this is the last thing. This is going to be the thing that I say every single week in this series because this is the most important thing that no matter what we talk about, I'm going to pull it back to this because this is it. <clears throat> that the best thing you can do in this season is pursue Jesus with all your heart and let him transform you. Period. Wherever you're at, single, dating, engaged, married, or wanting to be, the best thing you can do right now is pursue Jesus with all that you've got. And then let him transform you.